Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you for tuning in on this Saturday, the last couple of days of May. This has been a long-ass month, and I am very excited, honored to have DeAndre Carter, chef, owner of Soul and Smoke, as well as Feast and Imbibe in Chicago, Illinois. DeAndre, thank you for being on the show. Jensen, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. So much energy from our, our man, Derek Hull, CEO uh, of the Trotter Project. Yeah, Derek, we were joking about he name dropped like 70 people on his episode. Perfect. I didn't even have to talk. He was on it and very specifically highlighted you. And then when I followed up with him and his team said, who should I talk to? I knew the answer, but I was like, who should I talk to next? And they were like, DeAndre, absolutely has been a bedrock for our mission. And so I'm glad that we get to talk right now. So we'll get into the Trotter Project and some of that. But I want to start the origin story. Give people some of your background. Kind of where did it start for you in the industry? Okay. Yes. So, okay. We good now. Uh, what, repeat that one more time, Jensen. Yeah. Look, give us some background for you. Kind of where you started out in the industry. Give people that origin story. So, yeah, man, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Um, I went to La Cordon Bleu here in Chicago. I uh, got my associate degree there. Um, I did my internship at Moto. I really love Moto. And then I ended up staying there. I uh, worked my way up from intern to executive um, sous chef there. Uh, currently, while being there, you know, we won our first Michelin star there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time yeah. in that kitchen between Moto and Ing Restaurant. I love that. So, Mara Kansu was a big influence on you for sure changed the game a lot. I think of the cigar, I think of the edible menu and things like that. Talk about being a part of that team, not just the the food elements that I think we knew, but being a part of that team, part of the culture, kind of who were some of the other people that you were involved with at that time that like, you know, were hustling and making things happen for that place. Yeah, man. I mean, you kind of just like, just you saying those words, like going back, you know, to 2008, you know, 2007, you know, mm-hmm. an area in Chicago was pretty much like at its peak from the, you know, from the kitchen point of view, you know, the guys that's working and the chefs that's working like in the kitchen. Yeah, me walking up in there, you know, I kind of felt, you know, I felt, I felt real honored to be a part of that team. You know, we had Ben Roach there. We had Daryl Nimitz, Chris Jones from Top Chef, Richie from yep. Top Chef. Uh, man, so many names. Like I'm, I'm, in, I'm an intern in there with that type of crew. So, you know, Every day, like I never missed a day there. I worked there for four years, never missed a day. Was super excited to be there. It was it was just amazing. So for you, I mean, from intern to executive suit, not many people make that. That's a massive jump, right? Over a four-year period of time. So talk about what it took for you. Like, who did you have to be in that kitchen to work your way through all of that talent over that four-year span? Yeah. So as everyone knows, like with the culinary industry, you know, turnover is really high, you know, especially, you know, 
for that home cook that's watching those, you know, that's watching those um, Food Network shows like, oh, yo, I'm a chef. But when you actually like in there, when you like you getting paid to do it and customers paying top dollars, you know, to dine at where you're working or the restaurant that you own, you know, you kind of it becomes like a priority in life. And, you know, you take really you take a big responsibility to your station, you know. So when I got there as an intern, I started off, you know, you got to run it. First, you come in, you prep, you know, when it's service time as an intern, you know, you polishing silver, you running trays, you know, to the window, or you might just want to call me, you know, picking herbs or something like that. But it's an honor. It depends on where you at, you know, yeah. you at. It's, a, it's an honor to do that, you know, because you dare to learn. It's about the passion. It's about being good at what you do. So if you, you know, me, I wanted to be a really good chef. So and I felt I was around a really good, talented group of uh, chefs. Is it funny you go from like being the gopher, go for this, go for that, go for this, right? Intern, hands. I'm probably I'm sure there's like some fun hazing where they say go get the bacon stretcher, stuff oh, like that, right? Yep. And, and for you then, it's funny, I think about it, like you start as an intern and you're shucking six cases of fava beans, just doing grunt work. You excel and excel and excel, and eventually you're a chef owner, and all of a sudden all you want to do is shuck some fava beans and just keep it simple, right? And, yeah. and that's just like a, such a heavy part of the kitchen. And so you went in that route. You said, I'm going to go and be a chef owner. And you went a little different, right? You went from Michelin star to catering. And that's a big difference stylistically. And the expectations from a quality standpoint had been different. So why was that important to you? How did you kind of evolve the idea of the catering chef? Well, yeah, the catering chef, I really had to really take it in and accept it and okay so the catering kind of say you know the way people view catering you know they never viewed it as serious cooking you know no, it was like rubber chicken dinners right yeah, yeah for sure you know no one respected the catering chef um because they expected bad food you know so you know once um i ended up leaving moto and ink you know we started doing underground dinners um you know those t became really popular we started off doing you know a table of eight and then we do a table of 25. Someone at, someone's at that table like, oh, you guys can do this at, you know, are you guys able to do this at our place? You know, from coming from that fact, that fine dining background, you know, the words is always, yes, we'll make it work. We make it happen. So we had that, you know, Heather and I, you know, Heather, also my wife both worked at Moto and at True. So we both had them same type of values when it came to, you know, the uh, service industry. So as we were saying, yes, you know, we was going to people's homes. You know, it's kind of just like happened on accident. We're going to people's home. We're doing these fancy cocktail parties, you know, these five-course meals with wine parents and stuff like that. So it turns to, oh, uh, my daughter's getting married. My niece getting married. Uh, my nephew's having this uh, bar mitzvah. Are you guys able to make it work? Can you guys do that? Yeah. So we, you know, it kind of just like snowballed from there. We became a catering. Uh, and then, like, once the bar really got rolling, this was like 2013, by 20. And I really started soaking it in like, yo, it's like no one's really catering on this level that I know about, you know? So I kind of like wanted to embrace it. I kind of wanted to change the Chicago scene, you know, help change the Chicago dining scene is the way that people view catered food. Yeah, you, you mentioned Heather, your wife. So it's family, clearly. And you're going into people's homes, which is a very intimate type relationship. And if you can bring that level of quality and integrity but still make it simple and comfortable i think is a really sweet spot so clearly you kind of carved that out for yourself 
uh, in that. And then Soul and Smoke, why did it become important for you to bring uh, that brand kind of into the Chicago market? All right. So the Soul and Smoke. So what happened was, you know, in 2013, when I, you know, I ended up leaving Moto, we started feasting and buy. We started doing, you know, the, um, the core style meals with the wine pairs and stuff like yeah. that. But at the same time, we had corporations asking us to drop off food. So that type of food wasn't able to be dropped off. So then mm -hmm. I had to avert to something that, you know, I was really, you know, I know mac and cheese. I can make a pan of mac and cheese. I could, you know, I can grill a pan of chicken. You know, uh, I could, I, I just had a brand new smoker. I was into smoking meats. So we first started off with the pulled pork and then the brisket yep. stuff eventually started going into ribs and things like that. But it kind of, you know, we, we, we knew, we understand that we had to come up with a different concept if we wanted to kind of meet that demand that was coming into us, you know, Mind you, you know, we were just leaving the culinary industry, so we wasn't like, you know, stacked with money, you know, sure. you know, great like that. We had a couple of credit cards and we were just going week to week, you know, every week was a gamble, but it was turning out good and people was hearing about it and people was writing about it and, you know, people was interested. So, you know, so Soul and Smoke, you know, Feast in the Bible started building up and then Soul and Smoke started, you know, slowly building it, you know, mm -hmm. same time as Feast in the Bible. My heart was always in feasting and buy because I really wanted to be a respectful chef. I think that when most people, you know, start working at, you know, fine dining restaurants, like you said, you going from intern, you know, you peeling potatoes, you taking taking real pride into the food. Um, like someday, you know, you want to be a respectful. You want to be good at what you do. So. Yeah, I I love that. So you mentioned it, like. You didn't have any money, like most startups, most of that like grimy hustle mentality that that entrepreneurial spirit meets the insanity of being a chef, right? Pirates on the pirate ship. So you had a couple credit cards, you're just figuring out a way to make it happen. Who are some people in those early days that were like keeping you motivated, saying you got this, or bringing you back down to earth saying, don't get too crazy, you know, opening a second spot? Like, what was that like for you? Who were some of those people that helped motivate you in those times? Honestly, it was to keep it honest. Like I was doing tastings with the uh, moto staff, the server crew, some of the kitchen crew. I invite them to my place, like try this out. And then also, you know, man, I gotta admit, man, Chicago has some of the best foodies, the best, most loyal foodies. Man, they really supported us in the beginning. They had our back a hundred percent, and you know, um, yeah, I mean. And those early, you know, I really didn't have like, cause no one was like really into catering like that. So I really didn't have like a catering chef to talk to. I talked to Omar a couple of times, you know, as far as like starting a, you know, we started our own business and he was like real supportive of us. In the beginning, he was tweeting us out. You know, he gave me the heads up that either one to give me my first interview and stuff like that. You know, he was there, you know, for a mentorship. Um, but like I said, man, early 2013, like those years, no, no one respected the catering chef, which I was cool with it, you know, but I wanted, I wanted to prove a point into the culinary game. Yeah, it seems like you liked the idea of being underestimated. Like, just wait, just watch. I'm going to come at you with some stuff you haven't seen before, which I think is, I love, love, love that mentality. I think it's something that's so in us. And when you were at a place that everything was clicking, the star was there, the accolades were there. You guys were getting it all you went and jumped off the deep end and said i'm gonna go do something that hasn't been done or done the way that you wanted to see in chicago the chicago foodie you mentioned that why is chicago such a great food city i think it's i don't know i i, I it's just something i really can't describe 
I know we got a lot of passionate chefs here, you know, a lot of great chefs. And then we have a lot of, you know, uh, foodies that's, you know, that's willing to be, you know, open-minded to cuisine. You know, it's a lot of people, you know, and that's and that's a big difference between soul and smoke and feasting the buy for us. You know, you got the more approachable food with soul and smoke. You got the more creative food with, uh, with feasting and buy. And it was a lot of, you know, diners that was willing to be creative. And if they re wasn't really to, you know, be that creative, you, sometimes you got the meat and potatoes um, people, which is great. You know, people like eating food that they're really familiar with. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like roll from there. I like it. I want for everybody that, that watches this, that listens to this in Chicago or anywhere else on both sides of that equation. It's so important. We call them unsung hospitality heroes. And a lot of times I include, excuse me, not a lot of times, all the time, I include those guests, those foodies, as you kind of called them, because they matter. Like their willingness to go on that journey with you is so important because you would not be here, period, full stop, if it was not for people saying yes. I yeah. want that level of catering that DeAndre and Heather are bringing to the table. So I want people to know if you're a chef out there, cultivate community. It matters. And if you're on the other side, support your chefs, especially now. So let's talk about now. Okay. Right now, the work that's happening with you, the Trotter Project, this shit is heavy. It's hard. It's difficult. It's crazy. crazy. Yes, hospitality is so innate in you that you're struggling, your business is struggling, I know, yet you're like, how do we feed people? Because that's the purest form of hospitality. So talk about your work right now in the Trotter Project. Yeah, so right now we're working with the Trotter Project um, and they've been amazing, you know. Um, so I don't know if you know that. So my wife and I, we had a recent loss of our son uh, right around this time, like in January, you know, then uh, COVID-19 right. picking up like around February, stuff like that. Um, but man, we just had to like, just for us, the kind of like the mental counseling for it was to like stay busy. Cause you, you got to keep in mind, like coming from like fine dining, right? You work in at least 60, 70 hours in one week. And then you go from fine dining to running your own business. And you know, a lot of people think like, okay, oh, I'm about to have my own business. I'm about to live the life. No, you about to work way more then you work for anybody else because you work, you want to call 24 hours for your own, especially if you want to, you know, succeed at it. You just don't, I never just wanted to start a business and say I had a business. I wanted a successful business. You know, we've been around like eight years right now um, and everything's been going great. Um, work with, you know, organizations like the Trotter Project, WCK, you know, Everston has been a really big support group for us as well. Um, and yeah, it's just amazing to be able to help. And I thank the Charter Project for allowing us, you know, to help people, you know, together. Yeah. And World Central Kitchen was there. What was it like having that team, Jose Andres, rolling through the kitchen? I mean, the energy there had to be through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the Charter Project. So we work with the Charter Project to feed the uh, Monastery um, School of Inglewood. And yeah, and I'm actually, Jose Andres came on site to the uh, to Inglewood, yo, to the monastery school in Inglewood. He was there. He met us there. You know, we shook hands. We took pictures. He thanked me a lot. He actually called me one of the best chefs when I was like, oh, this, this, this the legend is right here. Right. He, he is the legend. He is the man. But yeah, yeah. Man, I was just so happy to see him, like, you know, 
like in that neighborhood, you know, like he in the neighborhood, like talking to people, shaking people's hands, you know, it was, it was great, great energy, you know, WCK, Charter Project, you know, they all been super, super, super great to us. So let's talk about Inglewood. Talk about the people of that neighborhood. Talk about why they matter. And let's talk also about the cooks, the people that are there serving these meals, because most of them are part of that community as well. How is that community galvanized through this time? Man, it's, it's just, I'm not, it's like, I live in Evanston right now. Like I grew up on the South side, you know, in the hundreds on 132nd street, you know, not too far from Inglewood. And like, I, like, I know, you know, it's like, I, I know, I know what's like, kind of like going on. I know people feel forgotten about. I know people feel like it's, you know, no one there to help, you know? So once again, like hooking up with the Trotter Project, being able to bring, you know, meals to Inglewood was just really comforting to me, you know? I definitely want to be a part of anything, you know, that's helping, you know, dark and brown people. Yeah. Talk about some interactions there, because I want people to really, like, let's paint a picture for people. You're in, you're in the monastery school, you're producing these meals, you're really good at it. Cause I've talked to other chefs that are, you know, used to doing 112 meals, super high end, six courses, right? Like you were, and now they're doing 400 pounds of turkey for XYZ dish. It's completely different for them. You were really good at it because you had been doing catering, right? So let's set the tone there. The interactions that you have, what's it like to cook alongside somebody who's just there to feed people or the interaction that you get when somebody says, this is going to keep me alive today. Not just like this is food that's cool and interesting and creative. This is going to keep me alive today. Talk about that interaction. Take people in to that kitchen, into those, those meals that you guys are preparing. So the meals I prepare here, you know, at our kitchen, you know, they all individually packed, they label, you know, they reheatable. Um, and then we, you know, pack them up and then we take them to Inglewood, you know, and the project kind of, you know, di distribute the meals. Uh, but once you get there, man, you pull up, man, you see the people, you, it's just a sight to see, man. You see it, you see like the pain, you see the hurt. And then when you see them, like get, you know, they get the, you know, they get the meals from us, you know, try the project, you know, giving them gallons of fresh milk, farm fresh milk, uh, face masks, hand sanitizer, things like that. And like, you just can see like the habit, they got a, something. It's like, it's like you're getting a gift every day. Like, it's like, you know, you know what it's like to get a gift, you know, it feels good to get a gift. So you get the gift, you know, and then you go home and then you enjoy the gift. You know, I think that's what makes it really special. Has this changed the way, let's talk about the future a little bit. Has this changed the way that you view your responsibility and your ability to deliver hospitality when you now have been stripped down and we all have to the purest form, just take care of another human being. That's all that matters. Do you see yourself now reimagining what happens next? Because now we got to start thinking about what happens next as a chef, as a leader in your community. Are you thinking about that any differently because of this experience? Yeah. Um, I, I think of it different, but like for us personally, by us being a catering company, everything kind of just already fit. If it, it really just fit for us, you know, we already, I had the team, I had the yeah. kitchen, we had the vehicles, you know, we had packing material, you know, um, we had menus. I had menu items that I was comfortable doing that I knew people were like, you know, and that's another thing, you know, you like you go to those neighborhoods and then if you go back to talking about, you know, 
being like creative food versus, you know, approachable food, you know, you got to go off what people are, you know, familiar with, you know, like, you know, you got to, I, when I cook food for people, I really want them to enjoy. I'm not making a food just to say, yo, I, you know, I cook for people in need, you know, I make delicious meals, yo. Like I'm like, we're giving them, you know, pulled pork, we getting smoked brisket, we doing jerk chicken, you know, we doing Cajun shrimp pasta with garlic bread. You know, I'm giving them something to feel good. You know, I want them to feel good. It's like I'm giving a piece of feel good. You know, he goes, you go a piece of feel good, you know, like enjoy yes. this, you know? So, um, yeah. I don't know and that, that and that's going to continue to sustain. I think one of the most important things is because, you know, and, and you actually went in this direction. We, a lot of times I've been guilty of it so many times trying to be too chefy, trying yeah. to like prove my mustard prove what I'm capable of instead of just delivering for what's needed in the moment for the people, for the community. So I love that you said, this is what I'm going to do. You went to feast and imbibe and did that. You went even further with soul and smoke and said, I'm just going to smoke some pulled pork and it's going to be the best damn pulled pork that Chicago has seen. And like, you still, right. Cause you still got some swagger and bravado. You're still a chef, right? You still got, I mean, you got the chef mentality, you know, you want to, Want to be the best at what you do, and then you want, didn't care. You, you know that's why I tell my kids all the time. It's not about coming to work. It's not about getting that paycheck. It's about you caring for somebody, man. Because at the end of the day, if you caring, you know you are gonna make sure the fa- the sauce is not oversalted. You, you don't take the thought. You know something wrong with the sauce, and you know pack it up anyway. Come on, man. That's not showing no type of care, and I don't believe in it, and I won't allow it in my kitchen. You know what I'm saying? But you know, at the end of the day, we care. You know, we want people to have something to feel good about. You know, we put our heart and soul in this, you know. So, yeah, man. I'm, I'm in, man. I'm all about it. I love it. So give us a, a breakdown, kind of give people some context a little bit. Like how many meals are you making each day? Maybe how many meals you've made total? How many people are on your team? Give us some context there. So right now, at this point, we, man, we, between the Charter Project, W, uh, Royal Central Kitchen, um, the Everson Community Foundation and the connections for the homeless here in Everson, we've done over 30,000 meals since middle of March. Like 30,000 meals. We've done about, right now, we're doing about 3,500 a week. You know, anywhere, you know, from, I say from 600 to like 800 meals, like Monday through Friday. Um, yeah. And who's and on the crew? Look, let's talk about some of, some of those unsung hospitality heroes. Who's in there? All making right. that delicious pulled pork alongside you because I know it takes a village. Yeah, it takes it definitely takes a village. It takes a village. So I got um so I got my one of my homies Hugo. Hugo, he used to be the um the sous chef at Ing. So I, I'm already familiar with Hugo. When I was a sous chef at Moto, he was a sous chef at Ing. You know, so we spent a lot of time together. And then also I got Victor, you know, uh he worked at Ing as well. So he's been with me for the longest. He's been with me, I say, about six and a half years. Uh, I got Angie, I got Lewis, I got Stacy, I got a friend who I grew up with uh, named Lizedrick, you know, a hometown buddy, so he can see what's going on. Because he, he know me from, from, you know, from when I was a kid. And he's seeing Back in the day, huh? Back in the day. Back in the day when I didn't even know I wanted to be a chef, you know? Yeah. So for him to see what's going on right now it makes him proud, makes my community proud, makes my family proud, you know, my family they super supportive and they tell me all the time, like how proud I am. So it really, that really makes me feel good too. So it's so important to not to be acknowledged and to acknowledge others is so the game. And again, I think this moment is such a struggle, but 
it is allowing us the opportunity to slow down and like reflect on who matters. And, and I can really, really appreciate that. So I love that. All right. As we wrap up, wrap up, any, any last thoughts, anything you want to share with us, with your community, with your fellow chefs, anything like that, some drop some nuggets on us to kind of uh, take us out into the day. Man, Chicago, we have some of the best chefs in the world, some of the best restaurants, you know, man, you guys keep going, you hang in there. I mean, I got positive vibes about everything, you know, slowly coming back to normal. Um, the foodies, um, the man, continue to shop local, continue to stop, shop with the, with the small restaurants. You know, we really need you right now. Those big guys, you know, they first in line for the PPP loans. They, they good, man. It's the people like, you know, Heather and I who started off credit cards, you know, and we have a company right now. Um, we had the, ever since farmer's market, Every Saturday, you want to try some of that brisket, you know, the pulled pork. Uh, I got the baby, baby back ribs there, the mac and cheese is a popular seller as well. We've been uh, doing take and bake cinnamon rolls from, um, yeah, take and bake cinnamon rolls and take and bake um, cookies also. Yeah, what's the farmer's market? You say you just came from there. Your vibe was high because you yeah, were just yeah, at the I, market. That's a chef's fuel. I know, man. I was there at 7 a.m. So I had to get up at 5 a.m. to get ready for the market. I had to be there at 7 a.m. I stayed there from seven to you know twelve fifteen because I knew I had to you know talk with you. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, it's the Evanston Farmers Market. You know, it's in downtown Evanston. You know, I'm there every Saturday. I'm gonna be there because I want to talk to the people. I want to meet the people. Yes. I want to introduce the brand to the people. You know, um, yeah. And then also, I love it. I could just see you just like shoulder up because it's like kid in a candy store for a chef yeah, to get really the market. Care. I care, man. I care. And I, and I, and, you know, I consider myself a foodie too, man. And you, you know, you go to these restaurants, you know, that you got the team, you know, working, you know, I know how it feels to be in there. You know, yeah. you start your Mondays off at 10 a.m. You're not leaving till one in the morning, you know, because you got to catch up on the prep and everything. If you sold out everything, you got to be back again at 11 in the morning and you might be there to 12, you know, so on and so forth. So I know the hard work those guys putting in. And, you know, sometimes you just want that face to connect. You know, you just want that face to connect with the company. Yes. And I, I feel that's really important, especially for us right now. Give us a shout out. One farmer, rancher, uh, producer that's at the market right now that you're just really hype on that people got to go check out and support. Uh, you got to check out Nichols Farm. You got to check out Benison's Bread. Uh, who else? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wide range of people to, to pick from, but those are some. Love of it. All right. Sophie's going to make sure and get them linked up because we want to show them some support. I'm excited to, I got a lot of pins in the map right now and Chicago is one, but now I'm moving it a little bit up to Evanston because with you there, with Amy Morton and Debbie Gold, I mean, oh icons and so such great people. So yeah. excited about Debbie coming to uh, Evanston. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot happening in Evanston right now, and I'm grateful for the conversations I've been able to have with the Chicago area. A lot of good energy coming out of Chicago. So thank you so much for the leadership, the wisdom, the hustle, and supporting the community of chefs and Inglewood and all of Chicago and Evanston. Appreciate you. Hi, right, Jensen. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Get back Get back to work. I know you got a lot of, a lot of smoking, a lot of cooking to do, my friend. Have a good day. Right, you too. Take care. Thanks. There's Evanston. Look out. Watch out. Pin in the map for Evanston. Debbie Gold. I mean, if you've ever watched this, you know, absolute legend, period. End of story. For me personally, you know, gave me, gave me a job at 23. Let me learn so much. Farmer Lee Jones, is she's the one that connected us to get him on the show. 
Derek Hole. Uh, it's just, I love what's happening. I love Janet Isabelli and having them on the show as well. So a lot of good things coming out of Chicago and very specifically out of Evanston. Evan. Now I completely lost the name. People, help me out here. Uh, so really, really great. DeAndre Carter, Heather doing amazing work out there. Super important. And uh, uh, here's what I love about this. You could tell the energy and the excitement when talking about Jose Andres, absolute legend. And then when we talk about the farmer's market, I mean, about jumped out of his seat. That's real for chefs. And excuse me. And it should be for everybody. It's real. Appreciate that. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.